versus Wild Daily Hustle. Soy Enrique Byron. Es sí, presidente es el mejor cerveza. Deadwater son los mejores bebidas. No abate por No Filter Network. Will the Thrill. Not with us today. He was with us last night. Miguelito San Diego, not here. Per usual. But we're going to properly salute our boys as we do each and every single morning. Yes, 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 yes. Woo. Remember this, folks. When you are juiceful, you are useful. And when you are juiceless, you are fucking useless. It's as simple as that. A great Deuces Wild episode last night with Thrill. We had a good time. Uh, courtesy of Dadwater. Look at this, the Gary. This one's really good. This is the pineapple jalapeno. And we ended up ripping open some packs of 1987 tops here. You see the remnants of the bubble gum. I did have a piece of it last night. What a cool experience, though. Just being able to come on here with Thrill. Just about every Tuesday. And whether it's watch baseball, talk about the mechanics of it, <sighs> coaching elements, or just ripping open packs of baseball cards, it really doesn't get much better than that. So a uh, very pleasant morning to you on the 20. 20- Ninth day, is that right? Of November 2023. The uh, holiday season, by the way, is off and rolling with the NFL in full stride and the NBA and NHL hitting mid-season form. And guess what, folks? Bet Online is your number one destination for all of your sports wagering info with up-to-the-minute sports wagering News, odds, trends, and predictions. Bet online is a top spot where everything pro and amateur sports, and not just the big four. Bet online has info available at your fingertips with both desktop and mobile access anytime, anywhere, from MMA to international soccer and whatever else you may want to go ahead and place wagers on. Head to bet online today and remember to use the promo code. Believe, capital B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Also, folks, do not forget about our partners at KT Tape. Get yourself some of the pro oxygen tape by hitting the QR code in the upper right-hand corner. It's actually my upper left-hand corner. But hit that QR code, put your email address in, you get like 15, 20% off and get all taken care of. The science on this is pretty simple. Put the tape on, lifts the skin, promotes blood flow, decreases inflammation, and you should be all set to go. Reduced inflammation, reduced pain, rock and roll. Kind of like the footboard. Pick up one of those at ericburns.com by the way. So anyhow, uh, lastly, to focus for this show, I got myself a verge shot of greatness. That's right. Right here. A little lemon, ginger, 
cannabis, that's a perfect trio. You can't make this shit up right here. And it is a shot of life. And we don't pimp anything we don't try. You know that. Mm. Very soothing on the throat, I might say. So go to tryverge.com. Do me a favor. Ask for our guy, Jory, and he will take care of you there. Okay, the Daily Hustle email for this morning just went out. Had a good time writing it on the tread. It is... One of those things where I truly do feel like I get more out of it than you guys do. So, I don't know. Hopefully you like them. I don't know. We've kind of run into a little bit of a crossroads. we got to figure it out. I don't know how someone could sign up for the email now because we're reconstructing the site. So, I don't think there's an actual location on there that would put you into the email system. On our old site, we did have it, but... The old site ended up having so many things wrong with it that we had to tear the thing down and we're in the process of building it again. But you can get a footboard, a Daily Hustle book, or a effortless book right now. We just basically simplified it as we continue to rebuild it. It should be a kick-ass site when it's all said and done. Nonetheless, here is this morning's Daily Hustle email. Just come check us out on No Filter Network or on these 17 different podcast platforms, including Apple and Spotify. Buenos dias. Today is Wednesday, November 29, 2023. Daily Hustle quote of the day. The young must remember that all worthwhile things take time. The old must remember that although not all change is progress, all progress is the result of change. John Wood. Daily Hustle translation, when we are young and we figure out that we want something, we want it immediately. When I was nine years old and decided I wanted to be a major league baseball player, I wanted my mom to drive me up to Candlestick Park because I was ready to play right then, right now. I couldn't comprehend what the 15-year process would look like to get there. But I did quickly realize that if I eventually wanted to accomplish my dream, I had no choice but to learn. The journey to the show took me from Little League to St. Francis to UCLA to Medford to Visalia to Modesto to Midland to Sacramento and included stops in Los Mochis, Mexico, y Santo Domingo, and La República Dominicana. The irony is that when I did finally get to the big leagues and was able to reflect back on the process, it was every bit as rewarding as the end. When... I got done playing baseball and delved into the world of fatherhood, broadcasting, endurance, sports coaching, and now pickleball. I am humbled by how much I didn't and still don't know. I do know this, though. The only way to learn is to continue to immerse ourselves in the process and gain much-needed education through rigorous and challenging experiences. And guess what? The one beautiful constant through all these experiences is. Change. As we get older, we get set in our ways and become resistant to trying new things and resistant to change in general. Like Coach Wooden said, not all change is progress, but there certainly is no progress without change. He even took it a step further when he said, failure is not fatal, but failure to change might be. 
Bottom line, stay patient and stay fluid, my GoHards. EB. All right. So, really, it is funny because when we're kids, like, you just have no patience. And it has to do even with the long car rides that we used to go on. And you get the, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Oh, fuck. I kind of feel like that's how sometimes it goes with us in life, whether it's anything. In my life specifically, there's things that just take time. And as much as I'd love to get to the mountaintop as quickly as possible, it's a journey to get up there. So knowing this, I think it's each and every one of our responsibilities to enjoy the journey because we have no other choice. Okay, let's hit a few of the articles this morning. This is one I found really interesting. The number one simple phrase successful people use that most are afraid to say. This is uh, from a psychological expert. Admitting that you were wrong is difficult to do. In some cultures, it can be seen as a sign of weakness or foolishness. So most people cling tighter to the idea of having certainty and being right. But researchers have found that when someone does admit they were wrong, they're not seen as less competent. People actually consider them to be smarter, more communal, and friendly. As a psychology expert, I found that highly successful and likable people are admitters, and they aren't afraid to say three simple words. I was wrong. Here's what good admitters do. Number one, they prioritize learning and growth. When you reframe learning as winning and you move towards understanding rather than tallying up the times when you've been right or wrong. A study of psychologist Carol Dweck and Karina Schumann supports this, finding that we're more likely to take responsibility for our mistakes if we believe we have the power to change. Gosh, see how this all ties in? Our behavior. The key is to remind yourself that even though your behavior was wrong, you can change it in the future. And just because you're admitting wrongdoing, that doesn't mean you are saying you're a bad person. It's like my old therapist would say every time I talk about fighting with my then boyfriend, do you want to be right or do you want to be happy? Okay, let me go on a little side tangent right here because I do know a lot of my friends, I'll say a lot, but I've had a handful of friends that would go see a therapist and they would do couples therapy with their significant other. Well, their significant other was actually not their spouse. It was a boyfriend or a girlfriend. If that's not a fucking red flag, I don't know what is. If you're going to therapy before you tie the knot and you say, I do, I can just about guarantee you the relationship in the long run will be fucked. There's no getting around it. You go to therapy because you want to save a marriage. And you typically 
aren't even doing it for yourselves. You should be doing it for the kids. Golly. If you're hitting up a therapist. Now, if it's for other reasons, for other reasons. But if it's a relationship therapist. And you're not married. Do yourself a favor. Pack your shit up and get the fuck out of there. It's done. It's over. I'm going to save you a fuck ton of time and money. Just get out. Seriously. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, maybe this, I just, I, I commend the effort. I like where you're going. But if you are boyfriend and girlfriend, or boyfriend and boyfriend and girlfriend and girlfriend, whatever these days, right? Furry and purry. It's all good. But if furry and purry got to go see the therapist before there's anything official, there's any knots tied, we got a problem, folks. Furry, go this way. Purry, go that way. Get the fuck out. Done. Okay. Now they got that done. They asked for more information. When someone tells you that you're wrong, instead of immediately jumping to the defensive, get curious about why they're saying that to you. Respond with, can you tell me more? And really listen to what they have to say. Not only does this make you more receptive to feedback, and the other person's thoughts, but it also has a potential to expand the way you think about a topic or issue. You'll become less combative about the views of others while also challenging your own sense of certainty. It's true. Like, just get as much information as possible. Try to understand why and how somebody would think that way. Number three here. It says they remember that humans are wired for forgiveness. When we admit that we're wrong, not only do we be seen as stronger and friendlier, it's very likely that we will also be forgiven for our transgressions. A study by psychologist Molly Crockett revealed that humans have a basic predisposition toward forgiving others, even strangers, perhaps because the alternative is to hurt or end a relationship and miss out on the benefits it could have brought us down the line. When we admit our mistake, we create potential to preserve or repair the most important connections in your life. Scott Shigoka is a curiosity and psychology expert. That's a thing, huh? A curiosity and psychology expert. An author of Seek, How Curiosity Can Transform Your Life and Change the World. I like this. He is known for translating research into strategies that promote positive well-being and connected relationships around the globe, including at UC Berkeley's Greater Good Science Center and through his courses at the University of Texas Austin. He has given talks at Pixar, IDEO, Airbnb, Google, and universities around the world. Follow him on Instagram and LinkedIn. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'll get that book. For sure. How curiosity can transform your life and change the world. Okay. So stay curious. As soon as you think you have all the answers, you don't. It's impossible to learn what we think we already know. It is. So it's not hard, guys. Be a be a good student. Be a good listener. It's, 
really not all that complicated. Wait, hold on a second. It says it's furry. It's fierce. And in much of the U.S., it's now protected. I don't know what this thing is. This is breaking news. It says it's furry, it's fierce, and it's served as inspiration for sports mascots in Michigan and beyond. But now, in much of the United States, the Wolverine is at risk of disappearing as the climate warms, prompting federal wildlife officials to protect the animal under the Endangered Species Act. Have you ever seen a Wolverine? I have. They're freaky. So uh, let's make sure we take care of the Wolverines out there. Okay, the comeback players of the year were announced in Major League Baseball. And it was Liam Hendricks and Cody Bellinger named the 2023 comeback players of the year in the American and National League, respectively, on Tuesday. They were honored for seasons that were triumphant and very and for very different reasons. Hendricks, a three-time all-star closer for the White Sox, was diagnosed with stage four non-Hodgkin's lymphoma in December. Soon afterward, the intense right-hander voiced his determination to return to a major league mound. His fight against the disease included throwing bullpen sessions between chemotherapy treatments in the lead-up to the season. By April, Hendricks was in remission, and he made his emotional season debut for Chicago on May 29th. Five months following his diagnosis, Hendricks, 34, pitched five innings across five appearances for the White Sox before he was shut down in June with right elbow inflammation and subsequently underwent Tommy John surgery in August. Hendricks, who is a free agent, is aiming to pitch in 2024. The right-hander is the second White Sox reliever to win comeback player of the year, Jim Tomei. Won it in 2006. Hendricks also received the Jimmy V Award for Perseverance at the 2023 ESPYs in July and was named a Roberto Clemente Award nominee for the fifth time in his career. Bellinger's story has been a story with peaks and valleys. A 2017 National League Rookie of the Year and the 2019 NL MVP. Bellinger averaged 37 homers and 144 OPS plus through his first big league seasons. He then won a World Series with the Dodgers in 2020. However, the lefty slugger batted just 193 in his next two injury-plagued seasons. He had 29 home runs over more than 800 at-bats and had a 27% strikeout rate. The Dodgers decided to non-tender Bellinger after the 2022 season, making him a free agent. Looking to restore his value, Bellinger signed a one-year deal with the Cubs in December. He bounced back in a big way, 307, 356, 525 slash line, 26 dingers, and a career-low 15.6% K rate. Somebody's got to go sign him. And I'd put the San Francisco Giants at the top of that list. That is a lethal left-handed bat when healthy. That's it. Thrill and I talked a, bit, a little bit about last night. You're going to chase Otani down for 500-plus million, or you could go get Bellinger for what? 100, 150, you're going to get pretty similar bats. I get it. Otani's superior. He is. But you got Bellinger that actually plays defense, can play all three outfield positions as well as first base. You have Otani, who you don't know when he's coming back at all to throw. So don't get me wrong. I'd love to see the Giants sign Otani, but this is a, a nice 
backup plan if they're not able to pull it off. As far as Hendricks is concerned, just inspiring, dude. Really is. I mean, what an awesome opportunity to show the world what fighting looks like. Show the world that, yeah, if you put your mind to something, you can do it. And unfortunately, I don't know if it was a strength thing or what, but he threw so damn hard. But he came back and he ended up blowing out and had to get Tommy John surgery. But literally, he's going through chemotherapy treatments and then throwing bullpens. All to get ready for the season. Knowing people in my life who have gone through that, it's unfathomable to think that in between those treatments, which just take the life out of you, really, this guy was doing everything he could to prepare for a major league season. Not only is Liam Hendricks very smart, very articulate, very, very funny. Simply put, he's a fucking badass. He's an Australian guy, just an absolute joy to be around. I had an opportunity to interview him a few times in my broadcasting career. And the world needs more Liam Hendricks in there. And just grateful to have been able to spend some time with him and definitely will be following his journey going forward. Okay, let's keep rocking and rolling here. Zach Britton. So he detailed this analytics debate with uh, with the New York Post. Interesting here. So Zach Britton pitched for the New York Yankees. Obviously, a longtime Baltimore Orioles stud, left-hander. He provided an interesting glimpse into how analytics flow in the Yankees organization. Britton's the former Yankees and Orioles reliever who retired early this month appeared on this week's episode of the show, the post-baseball podcast hosted by John Heyman and Joel Sherman. As the Yankees fans have grown restless with the combination of missing the playoffs this year and not having won a championship since 2009, Britton was asked whether manager Aaron Boone and general manager Brian Cashman are the right men for their respective jobs. Britton, who pitched for the Yankees from 2018 to 2022, complimented Cashman and Boone for their baseball acumen, but was critical of the organization's use of analytics. Britton said that Cashman communicated great with him personally, but described a general organizational disconnect on how analytics are implemented with the team. Quote, I think sometimes, and this happens with me personally, when analytics comes into play, we get our iPad, Britton said. You can go down the rabbit hole with analytics and you can kind of find anything to justify anything, right? The numbers, you can skew them any way to paint the picture that you want to paint. I think with Brian, it just might be needing to blend the two a little more. I'm not sure because I'm not really in the front office. I only know I saw this as a player and I was exposed to it and I was exposed to what's happening. I was not exposed to what's happening behind closed doors in the front office. While he didn't provide precise details, Britain further described it as a rift. So I don't really know what discussions are going on. I just know that as a player, a lot of times in the clubhouse, it felt like there was a disconnect between some of the things you were presented with and what you were seeing on the field as players. Okay. I don't know if there is one, but there needs to be a position within 
a major league baseball organization that is literally a former player that relays all the analytics information to the current player. I don't want the front office doing it. I don't want the computer geeks doing it. I want a former player who is specifically designed to comprehend the numbers and what they mean and how they could be best applied. And then at that point, I would like that player to convey that in baseball player language. And you have to realize and understand baseball player language is a real thing. Try to give you an example. Okay, let's say that there is a hitter that is having trouble hitting the inside fastball. And this part of the zone, his statistics are an abysmal 100 batting average, 300 OPS, whatever. The obvious thing is that we want to attack him on the inner part of the zone. And so basically you would have, I don't know, the computer geek come down and be like, hey, uh, yo, uh, Zach, do me a favor, buddy. So we got the inside part of the plate and all the statistics to say that if you go ahead and pound this part of the zone, he's going to hit 100 and 300 OPS, this and that. So throw inside fastballs over, 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 over again. Okay, good. All right, thanks. All right, that's it. And then he gets out of there. So the baseball player relay of that would be something more along the lines of like, Zach, what's up, bro? All right, fuck, dude, listen. This dude cannot hit the inside fastball. But if we repeatedly go in, 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 a couple things could happen. Number one, we can make a mistake over the middle, and he's going to pound you, right? The other one, you come too far in, you hit him, you put him on base. We don't necessarily want to do that. Let's do this, though. Show him something soft away early in the count. Get him leaning out that direction. And then if we go ahead and we miss a middle in, we're still going to blow his shit up. All right? Cool. So. There's a couple different ways to be able to relay that information. You just have to figure out what the best way is. I'm not sure my example is any good. <laughs> actually, maybe actually it wasn't it wasn't terrible. But there's got to be a way to properly communicate it without having these guys overthink it. Baseball is a reaction sport, especially for hitters. You just can't do it. Okay, a couple things before we get out of here. Uh, a big one right now, and I this is a, geez, a question marks everywhere. Andre Dawson, the Hall of Famer, wants his team cap switched on the Baseball Hall of Fame plaque that he has in Cooperstown. What the fuck? Really? This is a tough one. Baseball Hall of Famer Andre Dawson Wants his cap switched on his plaque in Cooperstown. Well, the National League Hall of Fame, or the National Baseball Hall of Fame, has not allowed players to choose which team cap is on their plaque since 2001. Dawson is taking one last chance at getting it switched from an Expos hat to a Cubs hat, according to the Chicago Tribune. Why would you not let 
the player choose. This makes no sense. I, like if I, you know, I obviously am not in that position, but if I had the chance to choose my captain, it'd be tough. It'd be really, really tough between say the Oakland A's and the Arizona Diamondbacks. I don't know what I choose. I probably would choose the A's just because that's where I came up. So beyond what happened in the big leagues, as we explained earlier with the Daily Hustle, there's a journey to get there. Well, that journey was spent in the Oakland organization. So I actually was with them much longer. The actual big league time, I'm pretty sure, was similar. So here's Andre Dawson. And it says the MLB legend was enshrined in Cooperstown in 2010 and was forced to enter the Hall of Fame plaque with an Expos cap on his plaque against his choosing. <laughs> Giuseppe Pepe Manuel, co-founder of No Filter Network and huge, huge Montreal fan. Uh, it's got to be disappointed with this. When I think about them immortalizing a cap, it would be the Chicago Cubs for a lot of reasons, Dawson said at the time. Fast forward to the present day, and Dawson is requesting the change one last time. Dawson told the Tribune that he recently sent a letter to Jane Forbes Clark, the chairman of the Hall of Fame Board of Directors, as well as the Hall of Fame Committee, requesting a meeting about possibly changing the plaque. He has yet to hear back from the Hall about the request, but discussed why he would once again ask for the Catholic change. I just felt my preference all along was as a Cub. Despite playing 11 years in Montreal, Dawson told the Tribune, I had my reasons, and I think that should have been something we sat down and discussed. I don't know, man. Do we really have to have a team cap, though? Very rarely is there ever one team that one person will play with through the entire career. So, I mean, you could do one of those split hat things. The Giants A split hat down the middle. How fucking terrible were those? Awful. All right. Sissy small fries all over me. I Apparently, I got to go pick up one of her friends. Uh, and I It's going to have to cut the Daily Hustle short here this morning. Um, one more thing that I wanted to get to real briefly, Michigan win versus Ohio state gets 19 million viewers the most since 2006, but listen to the headliner Michigan's win over Ohio state without Jim Harbaugh averages 19 million viewers most since 2006. So basically you're telling me that because Jim Harbaugh wasn't on the sideline, that's why they got 19 million viewers. Look, I see what the headline's trying to do here. My argument, and I don't know how many more, but definitely more people tuned into that game because of the Jim Harbaugh saga. There's no question about it. So whether or not Jim Harbaugh was on the sideline, that didn't matter. There's been more attention that was put on the Michigan-Ohio State game for two basic reasons and two reasons only. Number one, both teams were 11 and 0, undefeated. But number two was the Jim Harbaugh debate. 
as to whether or not he cheated, whether he didn't cheat, you like him, you hate him, doesn't matter. He's a controversial figure. Whether or not he stays at Michigan after this season, I have no clue. But he's said several times, winning a national championship is his number one priority right now. But he's also admitted that winning the Super Bowl is the ultimate. Think about it. Now, they had one shot. That was in 2013 when they went down to his brother, which you just can't make this shit up, right? These guys competed against each other in everything growing up. And John Harbaugh's Ravens beat the Niners. So Harbaugh came so close, but he still, to this day, hasn't given it up. So then the question becomes, is Michigan, Ohio State, the biggest rivalry in college football? I don't know. I think it all depends on what school you went to, what region of the country you live in. Well, here is an article that ranked what they believe are the eight biggest college football rivalries. Number eight, Florida versus Florida State. Number seven, Florida State versus Miami. Number six, Florida versus Georgia. Number five, USC versus Notre Dame. I like that one. So for me personally, right away, I'm going to pick SC Notre Dame. Makes sense, right? It's something that I've seen. I've watched since I was a kid. I was a huge Notre Dame fan growing up. Subscribed to Blue and Gold Magazine. I always look forward to the USC Notre Dame game. Number four, the Red River Showdown, Oklahoma versus Texas. Number three, the Army-Navy game. Number two, Michigan versus Ohio State. And number one, the Iron Bowl, Alabama versus Auburn. It'd be real easy to put the Iron Bowl at the top. And another epic one this year. Michigan-Ohio State definitely deserves to be in the top five. The Army-Navy game. I mean, geez, really? All due respect to our military. I'm not sure I'm going to put that towards the top of the list. There is a long history, though, that goes back to 1890. So there is something to be said for that. The only question is, have they ever been successful enough over the long haul, or at least in you know modern times, to put that in the top five? Oklahoma, Texas. I do know that I've spent a lot of time in Texas and some time in Oklahoma. Oklahoma and Texas hate each other. It is really brutal. The Notre Dame-USC thing, again, I think that is a rivalry for sure. But the question becomes, where the fuck is UCLA in this? Are we just chump change? You can't get a UCLA-USC rivalry on here, I do think Notre Dame and USC should be here. But UCLA, no? Nothing? Nowhere? <laughs> I think that's pretty fucked up. Florida, by the way. I mean, how many Southeast schools do we have to have here? You got Florida at number six. You have Florida State at number seven. Florida again at eight. I mean, it's just 
enough's enough. How many times can Florida and Florida State appear in here? I get the Florida State, Miami for sure. Florida, Florida State, yes. Florida, Georgia? No. Stop that shit. We need a UCLA. I'll come up with the rankings here shortly. But anyhow, everyone have a fantastic day. I'll have to take the kids to the ski mountain. And uh, for everyone joining, by the way, live on No Filter Network, John Davis. John Emanuel Ramos Henderson. Yes, be a sponge, dude. John, I almost wrote that. I literally almost wrote that today. I was like, I was going to get into the be the sponge thing. Yes, be a sponge. Soak it all in. Um, Back at you tomorrow, 8 a.m.-ish on the Daily Hustle. Leave a review, please, if you're listening on Apple, Spotify, or anywhere else on the 17 different podcast platforms, including Caffeine TV and Fubo. Everyone have a great day. See ya!